Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. Um, but <laughs> I'm expecting there's going to be a bit more enthusiasm tonight. We're going to go into um, the last kind of instalment of... It's, this is a different message. This isn't a teaching message. Next week you're going to get taught. It's going to be teaching. But I want to talk about who we are as New Spring Church, the structure of our church, and um, just so everyone's on the same page. So we're going to do that tonight, and um, hopefully um, it kind of um, sits well and everyone understands um, what we believe God's wanting us to do and move in. Um, I'm going to be up here just so you know, because we're practicing our live stream and all that. So as much as I love you and prefer to be down there, I'm going to be up here, but that's what we're going to do. So before we get started, how about you check out our purpose statement, look to the screen, and then we're going to get into um, what God wants to say tonight. kingdom breaks in and breaks forth. So who will discover what it is to be truly human? We declare it is only in relationship with Christ that we can truly know who we are and acknowledge that we are all on different stages of that journey. We work to discover the truth of God's word, believing it addresses every issue of the human heart. We are united with a desire to serve God. Older generations guide with wisdom. Younger generations inspire with their strength. Families shine with respect and adoration for each other. Our fellowship lingers outside the walls of church services. And builds strong relationships and community. That support and celebrate together. We are New Spring. 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 And um, what happens on the way home, they actually unfortunately had a serious car accident. And um, as they have this car accident, the husband actually is okay, but he looks over to his wife and sees that she's actually knocked out and she's bleeding. So you can imagine he's getting really, really concerned. 
Um, he runs out of his car and actually just has a quick look around. And he, he actually sees to his encouragement that there's actually a house out in the distance. And what he actually saw was that there was a sign outside of the house. And the sign actually told him who was the actual occupant of the house. And the sign simply said, Dr. Jones. And he thought to himself, this is just great, fantastic. Runs over to the other side, passenger side, opens up the door, grabs his wife, carries his wife and sprints to the front door of this house. This is in the night, pretty late in the night, knocks on the door frantically, waits for a moment, lights come on, door opens. And there's this elderly gentleman who's dressed in a dressing gown, just looking at him a little bit perplexed. The husband just, without even missing a beat, says, Sir, we've just been in a car accident. I'm okay. I don't know what's wrong with my wife, but you need to help my wife. Can you please seriously just help my wife? To which the older gentleman who has the dressing gown just takes a step back, puts his hand up and says, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I I can't help you. I don't practice medicine anymore. And then the husband gives the older gentleman one of those husbandly kind of glances. Have you ever seen a husband give one of those glances? Yeah? Any husbands, if you ever give one of those, Levi, you give those glances all the time, don't you? Yeah. And the husband, he gives one of those glances and he says, Sir, you've got one of two options right now. You either help my wife or you get rid of that sign that told me you could help my wife. That story has been messing with my head over the last couple of years because that story, just for me, it just recalibrates, it brings me back to my center and it lets me know that signs are so important, that signs are significant, that you can't just put up a sign, you can't just hold a sign and if someone comes to you because you're either bearing or holding or you're demonstrating a kind of sign, you can't just sort of say, no, I didn't mean that or kind of say, no, I, didn't, like, like, I, I, I can't help you anymore. But like, people pay attention to signs, don't they? And we as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to understand, we need to appreciate, we better be recognizing that we bear a sign every single day, every single moment, every 24-7, you know what I'm saying? And even in our house, like there is a house that is on the right of house, there is a sign. There, there is a sign. There is a sign that is upon every single word that comes out of my mouth. There is a sign that is intertwined in every single action that I take. And you know what? There actually is a couple of signs even in this building. The sign says the church of Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? We need to pay attention to that sign because it means something. Because when the world sees a sign, and that sign, by the way, it should be fully lit up in this present evil age. It should be like demonstrating, declaring that we are going to actually be portraying something so contrastingly different, that we live in this real peculiar way and people should be paying attention. And when they come to us because we're holding up a sign, or when they come to us when we are wearing a sign, or they come to us because we are demonstrating a sign, in those moments, we can't say, you know what, I actually can't help you. You either step in and help, or we start taking down the signs. And to be honest, as senior pastor, I really don't want to take down the signs because they cost a lot of money to put up. Actually, Steve, you put the signs up, right, around the place. We don't want to take those signs down. The sign means something. It means something. We want to take that seriously. 2020 was one of those years where we as a staff actually took the opportunity to see this global pandemic as an opportunity. And it wasn't easy because like we were like the rest of the world. We had no idea what was going on. But I remember the times where we were upstairs uh, just sitting around the table and it was Andrea and myself, there was Chelsea, there was Brett, there's Paul Gibbs and we're over there and, and we're kind of thinking to, thinking to ourselves, let's take this moment as an opportunity. 
And we wanted to take it as an opportunity to really stop and to dig deep and kind of ask the question, God, what are you saying? God, what have you been saying? How have you been shaping us over the last couple of years? I remember that there was one moment where we had to, like everyone else, we had to lock down for three months. And for three months, we put down every single program and every single activity that we had been doing for the last who knows how many years. We put it down. And then the lockdown lifted and we came back and the, the, the automatic like, reaction for us was to start picking things up. And I remember actually sitting at, a, at that table and saying, why are we picking that up? Because just because we had it, we were picking it up and we were carrying it in the last season does not necessarily mean that God wants us to carry it in this season. And it was like, we need to ask the question, why would we pick that up again? Because we are really good as the church. We love talking and we love preaching and we love singing about new wine and new wineskins and all that kind of stuff, don't we? We love it, don't you? Who loves the idea of new wine? Good? I love myself a nice red, by the way. It's just, it just goes down, especially Grey Company. You just have a knife like, nice like a Rogan Josh or a Vindalu or something. Oh, man. Mm, mm, mm. Getting hungry right now. Anyway, <laughs> I'm getting sidetracked. Anyway, but, but, but Lord, we, we, love, we, we love the idea of new wine and new wineskins. Guess what? You're only going to get new wine if you have new wineskins. And it takes courage to forsake the old wineskins to patiently wait for new wineskins to be forged. That's a hard thing to do. That's a courageous thing to do. It, it, it's, a, it's a season of ambiguity. We love doing that. So we were kind of in that moment and, and we were kind of saying, okay, if we believe that God wants to do something new, if there are going to be new wineskins and if there is going to be new wine, well, we are going to be reluctant to pick up the things that we were carrying in the past. And some of the people in our church have been a little bit disoriented by it. They've even asked, like, why aren't we doing that anymore? Why aren't we doing that anymore? Why aren't we doing that anymore? It's funny to think that some people think, oh, you're not hearing God. You're not being godly. You're not being a great Christian because we used to do that and we're not doing that, not knowing that we are seeking God. And if God said, I don't want you to carry that anymore, we're just walking in obedience. Anyway. So the question was kind of like, what is this? And that caused us to actually, not just as a staff, but we had um, team leaders and we had our eldership and, and the board and we came around and, and we started digging deep and sort of asking the question and articulating what God has been saying to us. And that actually came to um, this journey of articulating what our purpose statement is. And that was just on the video right over there. And if you've been part of the journey of New Spring Church, those words that have been articulated by those beautiful people who call New Spring Church home, they're not new. We've been talking about that, we've been preaching that, but God just allowed us a moment where we could just bring that together and succinctly articulate who we are as this particular local church, knowing that we belong to the broad church. There is only one church. We simply don't care too much about the name of Newspring on our wall, but for this particular local church, this is who God has called us to be, and we want to embody this in greater measure. And the question that we've been asking this month, and a month ago I kicked it off, and um, it was pretty straight. The question we're asking people is, like, do you want to be part of this family? Or are you part of the New Spring family? And the actual thing is, I don't want you to answer by yes or no, because let's be honest, talk is cheap, man. You know? Talk is really cheap. Like, I can have like 50 people in my house at any given time. I could probably have more, you know, I've got decent sight. Well, it'll be crammed. But I could have 50 people in my house. That does not mean that every single person's a writer. 
You know what I'm saying? Just because you're in my house doesn't mean you're family. So, so I, I, I know we can have like hundreds of people who are in part of this, who at least rock up, but that doesn't mean that everyone's part of the family. So, so we're kind of saying that to the, to the extent to which we embody this, that is our yes or our no. You know what I'm saying? To, to the extent that we embody it. And we actually wrote down this purpose statement, and this is how it reads. It reads this. We are image bearers of God that reflect his love. We pursue God's heart with our whole life through his word, prayer, and building community. We see God's heart and dare to see places of despair as opportunities where God's kingdom breaks in and breaks forth so people discover what it is to be truly human. We declare it is only in relationship with Christ that we can truly know who we are and acknowledge that we are all on different stages of that journey. We work to discover the truth of God's word, believing it addresses every issue of the human heart. We are united with a desire to serve God. Older generations, any of the older generation here? No? You can talk in church, you know. I prefer it when you talk back. Any older generation here? Oh, my gosh. Older generations are silent in church. No, older generations guide with wisdom. Younger generation, any of the younger generation here? Oh my goodness, younger generations are almost as silent as older generations. No, younger generations inspire with their strength. Families shine with respect and adoration for each Can you imagine families shining with respect and adoration for each other instead of contempt? Wow, could you imagine that? Oh man, what that is awesome. Our fellowship lingers outside the walls of church services and builds strong relationships and communities that support and celebrate together. That articulation which is laden with biblical truth and scripture, that is who we believe God has called us to be. And this year we are going to be a lot more straight. We're actually going to be just a, a lot more uh, uh, firm really. In like, this is who we are. This is what it means to be part of this particular church family. And um, if we can actually embody this to a greater measure, my goodness, what a beautiful, beautiful um, thing that will be. A month ago, four weeks ago, I launched um, this kind of month as we were talking about this purpose statement. And, and I actually made a big deal of the most important word in that purpose statement. It appears more than any other word. And that word is we. Everyone say we. We. We, we. We, you know, we went to France. It was fantastic. Um, oh, except they were a little bit rude to us sometimes. So anyway. But the most important word of that statement is we, we, we. That word we brings shape to who we are as the church of Jesus Christ. And that word we should be an antidote for the ideologies of this world that have infiltrated so many different parts of the Western church. And I'm sure they're even just articulating some of those, you'd probably be able to say, yeah, I reckon that ideology has infiltrated the Western church. It may have even infiltrated New Spring Church. And if you think that maybe it's infiltrated New Spring Church, let me tell you this, it certainly has in different parts of New Spring Church. Things like self-autonomy, anyone love that? Have you ever met someone and they honestly think they can do whatever they want, right? You can do whatever you want. Really? You try getting married and try doing that. Are you allowed to do whatever you want with Eva? Man, she will come and she will get you. You know what I'm saying? Man, she is an Indian. She will come and get you. I know. <laughs> but like, like with, with Andrew, I can't do whatever I want. Imagine if I just went missing for like a week or something and just like rocked up one day and Andrew's like, oh, hey, baby, how you doing? Did you have a good time? You can't do that. 
No, 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 self-autonomy, but that's crept into the church. We think we can do whatever we... No, no, no. Could you imagine actually like going in your car and like sort of like just driving any way you want? I'm thinking, I don't even want to drive forward. I'm going to reverse all the way home tonight. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 you can't do that. There are actually things in place that are there to actually enable like us to actually get home safe. Ultimate freedom, we're living in a culture that is promoting ultimate freedom. It's actually saying, you know what, the, the, the ultimate freedom, that is the ultimate utopia. And the problem is we live in a world who bought into that. And so there's ultimate freedom. I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever. I just don't feel like it. I, I, I can do whatever I feel like today. And the problem is if you have a tank so full of ultimate freedom, guess what? Your tank of community and your tank of meaning is going to be dead dry. Because if you want community, if you want relationships, healthy relationships, and if you want to have meaning and significance in your life, it means you're going to have to forego some of this freedom stuff and you're going to have to be engrafted into a narrative, the story of God, and actually be coming together with brothers and sisters in Christ in all like, genuine community. Is that not right? But you can't just do whatever you want. Ultimate freedom is a lie. So many people are just drinking the Kool-Aid. If I do this, I'm going to like... Just it's going to be fantastic. You keep on going down that track. We don't even need to look at the Bible. We have enough anecdotal stories to let you know. You keep on going down that track. That is not going to lead to human flourishing. That's going to lead to destruction. All right? I remember saying, like, well, I don't know when it was, but, but I said, you know what? People come to us so often when things are so far down the road, and sometimes it is hard to fix dumb. You know what I'm saying? You know, because you've done dumb things for so long and you come to me and say, Dave, you need to fix it now. So I'm sorry, it's going to take time because you've been doing this, 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 this. You've been going down a pathway which was never going to take you to the promised destination. Individualistic consumerism. This is a hard one because we are literally born into, I was born into a consumeristic world. You know, I'm living in a material world and I'm a material boy. Amen. <laughs> oh my goodness, I dated myself then, didn't I? Anyway, these things are like cancers. And what happens, they've infiltrated the church, and instead of identifying these things and cutting them out, we've seen, wait a minute, I can actually use these ideologies, which are actually idols, and I can, if I feed them and I nurture them, we've fed them and we've nurtured them instead of cutting them out. And that's what's happened. And guess what? That we are susceptible as New Spring Church to those things as any other church. Because they do work if our ultimate agenda is to get more bums in the seats or get more money. And that stuff is proven it does work. It really does. The problem is these ideologies actually keep us from experiencing everything that the church is supposed to be in this world. The church of Jesus Christ is not a small matter. We have a cosmic role to play in, this, in God's uh, uh, um, plan of redemption. We don't even just have a local role. We have a cosmic role. You know, we've learned that last year as we went through the letter to the church in Ephesians. But these ideologies keep us from everything that a church is, could, and should be. It keeps us from being the new community. It, treats us, it keeps us from being those who demonstrate true humanity. This is what it looks like to be truly human. It keeps us from actually living as God's new creation. It keeps us from literally being the intersection of heaven and earth. We, we preach about it. We sing about it. Yes, I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what that means? That means that there is literally right here in this 
I don't know how to describe this wonky warehouse. Right here, right now, if we're the church, this is the intersection of heaven and earth. Right here, right now, thy kingdom come, thy will be done right here. And sometimes we don't have enough imagination to think about what that could possibly be because we've been distracted or we've been deceived into allowing these ideologies to actually infiltrate our church. Um, Can I get some kind of agreement with that? Or am I just by myself? (laughs) You know, as a church, we are actually trying to endeavour to help people in our community um, not just here in, in New Spring and not just in Kalamunda, but also um, in a broader community to discover something really significant. Jim Collins, in his leadership books, his principle, here's this principle called the Hedgehog Principle. And the Hedgehog Principle is like, if you have an organisation that could actually be so clear as to actually articulate what is the one thing that you do, that's a pretty significant thing. Now, obviously, not all organisations can do that, but I reckon as a church... As New Spring Church, there's obviously a lot of things. We want to worship God, I get that, all, all that kind of stuff. But there actually is a hedgehog thing. And it's actually articulated in our purpose statement. Listen to these words. We seek God's heart and dare to see places of despair as opportunities where God's kingdom breaks in and breaks forth so people discover what it is to be truly human. Could you imagine that? Actually going about living our lives in such a way so people are so intrigued and you say, how are you living that? Why are you living that way? Why are you doing that? Everyone else is looking to fill themselves up. Everyone else is looking, I'm going to find my fire. You know, I'm going to find mine this. But you are living in a different way where you're not looking to be filled up. You are pouring yourself out. You are serving others. You are loving others. Someone's like cursing you and you're still blessing them. Why are you doing that? And say, well, this is what it looks like to be truly human. Come and check it out. You know, that's what we're doing. So people discover what it means. What, and is that not the question that people are asking? You know, I feel so lifeless. I feel so dull. I want to do this. To, I want to feel more alive. People are numb at the moment. And we have the opportunity to demonstrate and show them this is what it looks like to be truly human if we do not allow those idolatrous ideologies to creep into the church. And if we fight that and we're not indifferent to that. So that's an amazing thing. And let me tell you, it's an incredible thing to actually put that because the world is asking that question. And it would make complete sense that if the world is asking such a great question, that we as a church, we would take seriously that there is a sign that is on my heart, that there is a sign on my words, that there is a sign on my actions. And indeed, there are a couple of signs on this church that actually says church. And if the world is coming to us to actually answer that question, we should be stepping in and helping them discover what it means to be truly human to be truly human, to actually flourish, to flourish. You know that word shalom, shalom, shalom. Um, the, 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 the closest uh, English language um, that we have to that word shalom would be to flourish. Human flourishing. What does that mean? Well, four weeks ago, I was pretty blunt and pretty straight, and I actually let us know as a church, in case you were wondering, that flourishing is a we word. Flourishing is not a me word. Flourishing never happens in the context of me or I. If we're going to flourish as humanity, if we're going to discover what it means to be truly human, if we're going to live as this new creation, if we're going to demonstrate this kingdom, we're going to do it together. Amen? You know, you can't just do it by yourself. 
We're going to be doing it together. It is a we word. It is not a me word. And I sort of said, like, you know what, we, 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 we naturally, with our different traditions, we gravitate to different kind of atonement metaphors. And, and maybe, maybe one of the reasons why we've fallen for this, this individual kind of faith is because we have not engaged equally with all of the different atonement metaphors that Scripture gives us. I know one really important one, which I know is really important, is kind of that courtroom kind of, kind of setting, you know, that forensic kind of setting. Romans 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified, everyone say justified, justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This idea that I'm in this kind of courtroom and, and, and God has declared He's justified me. He's declared something to be true, that I am forgiven. My sins are forgiven. Are you glad your sins are forgiven? I'm so glad my sins are forgiven. Isn't that great to know your sins are forgiven? That's fantastic. It's really good to know your sins are forgiven when you go and do dumb things. Anyone do any dumb things today? There's like two um, real Christians in the church tonight. Everyone else is lying. <laughs> but you know what? It would actually be incomplete if I actually thought that when I committed my life to the Lord and that declaration was meant that that is all that happened. Because, especially as we've learned last year, there's actually a number of other things that have happened as well. Ephesians 1 verse 2 says, May God our Father, everyone say Father. 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 What a great name, Father. Father. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, he, he puts forward the question, what is a Christian? Great question. What exactly is a Christian? Well, a really profound but simple answer is, a Christian is anyone who knows God as Father, Jesus teaches us how to pray. Well, this is how you pray, guys. Our Father. Isn't that good to know? So picture this again. Take your imagination back to that courtroom. And, and you're over there and like God's a judge or however you want to picture it or, or however your imagination will allow you to do that. And, and you're looking over and you look at the door and you see, oh, there's, there, there's court. I can see court. But all of a sudden you see there's actually a word in front of that, family. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not just in court. I'm in family court. What? Say what? So right at that moment, in exactly that moment, that, like, when you were declared righteous, righteous, when you were declared forgiven, just, that exactly that same moment, not only are your sins forgiven, but exactly precisely that same moment, you are also adopted into a family. And because you're adopted into this family, that means there are such great privileges, but also responsibility. Because I want to embody what this... Family is all about. And of course, there are other atonement metaphors like redemption, the idea of exile, and all these other things that are happening, and all of these things that we're supposed to engage with, and they come together and they paint this beautiful, amazing, complex picture of what God has done for us, which is so exciting. But you know what? I'm not just forgiven, I'm also part of a family. And if I can have that mindset, that actually helped me fight this mentality, this ideology of this Christian faith is all about me, me, me. Dave, I didn't like your preaching, I didn't like this, and I didn't like that and didn't like that. It's like, hold up. This life is not about me. This is about we. This is about us. This is about the community of faith. And if I can actually be part of the community of faith, the new community, the new humanity, our lives are going to flourish. It's that idea that we were talking about. Do you remember that? It was funny because I wanted to launch this strong and then we had lockdown, so I only have 100 people here. <laughs> and then like, I needed to end it, but then like now it's a long weekend, so hopefully... People listening on, on, on live stream. But we were talking about that. 
So today I want to sort of, sort of um, go down a little bit deeper and um, focus on a couple of things. There's this one sentence in our purpose statement which reads like this. Older generations guide with wisdom. Younger generations inspire with their strength. You may be thinking, where did you pick that from? That was actually articulated after we were thinking and pondering about a verse in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29. And this is what that proverb says. Proverbs 20, verse 29 says this. The glory of the young is their strength. Amen. Any strong people here? The gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. Do we have any gray hair in the room today? <laughs> we got some gray hair that looks brown and like looks blonde. <laughs> I don't know exactly what my hair looks like because I haven't got any. So anyway. The glory of the young is their strength. The gray hair of experience is the splendor. What this proverb is telling us is what is to be admired in the two generations. Because the generations are supposed to be living together, communing together, always being together. But we're in a culture right now where the generations are separated from each other. In fact, this is the very first time in human history where there has been a segregation of the generations. You look at previous cultures, you look at previous eras, and it's always been one generation pouring wisdom into another generation, into another generation, into another generation. And now we're living in a world where we actually think that the older generation, you are irrelevant now, not knowing that the wisdom is supposed to be poured down. Right? So this proverb tells us what is to be admired in these two generations. For the young ones. Who's young here? Janet, yeah, we are young. You better believe that. Amen. I'm going to, yeah, I'm with you. Young. Young ones, we admire your strength. You know what it means? It means we see your strength. And we don't just see your strength. We're going to make way for your strength. That's what it means. I admire your strength. That means I see it. I'm not just going to see it. I'm going to make way for it. Older generation, we admire your wisdom. You know what that means? We see your wisdom. You know what that means? We're going to make way for your wisdom. Older generations guide with wisdom. Younger generations inspire with strength. We need to be a church that makes way for both. And we can't be in that sort of mindset, you know, like some of the older generation look at the young ones and say, you know what, I just don't like what they're doing and they're just that. And they're just that. No, no, no. We as older ones, and I have to put myself in that camp, I'm the senior pastor here. We as older ones need to look at the younger generation and we need to admire and see their strength and make way for their strength, make room for their strength, allow their strength to be expressed, Right? I know for young adults, I have great expectation for you that you will completely reinvent this church. Come on, take it over. Up until this point, everything almost has kind of been like us oldies. Well, Aaron, are we old? Not Not yet. We still got some strength, man. Still got some strength. Still got a bit of strength. But you know what? There needs to come a time when the young adults actually say, Dave, you know what? You've done pretty good. You've done pretty well. You know what? For an old man, you've done all right. Okay? You'd be like Kayla. She just says to me, Daddy, you're just a bold old man. Don't say that to the pastor. You know, a bear will come out and get you or something. Anyway. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> a koala bear. <laughs> anyway. Oh, it's one of those nights. Anyway. 
by young, young adults, you've actually got permission to completely wreck this place in the best possible way for God's glory. You've got a senior pastor at this moment who is actually saying, you can come and you can add your strength, you can add your creativity, you can add your ideas and completely mess it up. Do it. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you. I'm going to show you a diagram right now which I know will jar some of you. And um, it's a diagram that's going to show you what we as New Spring staff are going to own. And it's also going to show you what we're not going to own. And um, uh, if you go to that slide, Matt, it would be really good. Just, just this church structure, a church structure. So there's going to be some publications going to come out in the next couple of weeks. But as a staff, we've kind of like been digging deep and we're saying these are the two things that we are going to own as a staff. As a staff, we're going to try and do as many things as possible to encourage and actually provide context and opportunity for our church to grow spiritually, okay? In fact, if you've been on the journey, like there should have been some great growth that has happened already. Anyone been growing in this church? All right? Sometimes you just don't grow up because you just don't show up. You know what I'm saying? But like, if you show up, you're going to grow up, especially as we go into Sermon on the Mount. Seriously, if you want Jesus to start meddling with your life, and at the end of Sermon on the Mount, you know what he says? You know, anyone who listens to my teaching is going to be like, like, like a man or a woman who builds their house on rock. But if you don't, it's going to be like building your house on sand. Now, what are you going to prefer to do, rock or sand? Rock, right? You want to build your house on rock? Guess what? Jesus is going to meddle with your life. Happens to all of us. So there you go. Follow Jesus. He's going to meddle with your life. Anyway, so growing spiritually, you know, like with our worship, our Sundays, but also with um, connect groups and all that kind of stuff. The other thing which we are going to own is the next generation. The next generation. Um, so um, I can already hear, and I heard some, like, sort of, like, in my ear, I could hear it this morning. And, and I can already hear just that great old Shannon Knoll um, cover just coming out saying, like, what about me? It isn't. But Dave, it's not fair. Why are you focused? That, that's the problem with you, Dave. That's the problem with you churches. You know, the problem is you keep like focusing on the younger generation, the younger generation, the younger generation, and you don't even care about us oldies anymore. You don't care about us. You just see us as irrelevant. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The glory of the young is their strength. The gray hair of experience is a splendor. I understand. I recognize. But I'm making a huge assumption right now. I am assuming that the older generation in this church, you already have a bit of wisdom. I'm kind of assuming that the younger generation, they got some strength, but they ain't got the life experiences yet. You know what I'm saying? And also, you'd be looking at that as an older generation kind of saying, oh, I get that, but wait a minute. Wait, that's where I'm at. I, I, need, to, I need to grow spiritually. So I'm going to engage with that. You know what I'm saying? But when it comes to our younger generation, man, they're going to need some wisdom. They're going to need like a little bit of help. In this. So I'm making a huge, huge assumption. I'm making an assumption for our older generations that we have some wisdom, that we are in the process right now, right here, in the process of learning and unlearning, that there is a deep desire in our hearts to remain an apprentice of Jesus Christ, that we have enough truth in our life to be able to discern when things come up and try to deceive us, right? Like we all want to be discerning. The only way you're going to be able to discern is if you know the truth. Right? You're going to have to dig in and study and appropriately be able to handle this because there's a whole lot of stuff that comes up. Like even now, there's so many conspiracy theories and all this and all that. But we need to have enough truth to be able to discern what is truth and what is deceit. 
But I'm kind of assuming that we as the older generation, we are well on that path. We are well on that way, that I am growing, that I am maturing. I'm making that assumption. And, and again, I'm making a huge assumption, but it's not an unfair assumption. Okay? It's not an unfair assumption. Older generations guide with wisdom. Younger generations inspire with their strength. Inspire with their strength. A few weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast uh, from a, uh, a professor was on from Springtide Research. He'd been doing some research on Generation Z. Um, he was doing it in America. Um, so I understand it's American. And um, tonight I might actually put the, um, the research up because I actually went and actually um, just got his actual research um, results. And um, what he was saying is that we have so much information, so much research on every other generation, but Gen Z we don't have a lot about. You know, depending on how you want to like sort of do the age bracket, either like six years old or maybe 12 to about 22, 23. Pretty much our teens and our young adults. And it was quite interesting just some of the um, feedback that came from, um, um, from that research. I think the most, thing that, the, the most important thing that really he was kind of trying to press in that, um, in that dialogue and the thing that really spoke to me is that Gen Z, Generation Z, this is this emerging generation right now, all right? That they, in their lives, they desperately want mentors and guides who are experts. They don't just want someone who's older, but there's some real complexities that they're having to face. There are some real questions that they're having to endure and actually swim in right now, questions that I never really had to deal with. And you never had to deal with, but there are some pressing issues right now and they're trying to navigate, they're trying to make some, some, some kind of sense out of it. So they know that I need someone who is older, I need a mentor and a guide, but please give me someone who is an expert. What does that mean? Well, that means that we as an older generation, we cannot be intimidated with the questions and the tracks of thought that are currently being exposed and expressed in this current culture. We need to be brave enough to actually confront them and see how the gospel addresses them. We can't have little, like, sort of, like, sort of, like, little, uh, like little comments and little things like, you know what, it's like Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Really? Is that all you got? Or do we truly believe that the gospel actually addresses every issue of the human heart? Because if we really believe that, you're going to have to do a lot better than that. I'm sorry. You're going to have to do a lot better than that. I have a deep love for every single generation. I kid you not. But when I see a younger generation and they are dealing with things that I never had to deal with, there is a heart of compassion inside of me. And I want to engage with those conversations, even if they are very, very confronting and difficult for me. I want them to come to me and be able to say, Dave, I want to sit with you. And by the grace of God, I have so many, not just in our churches. I am blessed because there are people in Perth who say, Dave, let's have a coffee. I've got some questions. But I want to be able, I don't know, I know I've got a lot to learn, but I want to be able to be someone who is older, who can actually sit and say, I'll be a guide and I'll be a mentor, but I want to be an expert. To know and to be able to give you some answers as to what is happening. In this report, it actually said that, 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 um, that the majority of, of young people who have no adult in their life, they have no meaning, significance, or purpose. They feel that. They feel nothing. You know? Feel nothing. You had two to four mentors, right? That actually goes up to about 69% of young people 
say, I do have some meaning, I do have some significance, I do have some purpose. Now you bump that up to five or so people, and guess what? That percentage goes to 80 to 90. So there is an articulation from this younger generation, and I understand this is in America, but I'm kind of saying this is probably going to be the same here, but there is this articulation that I do want to mentor, I do want to guide in my life, but they need to know what they're talking about. They need to be an expert. They need mentors. For 2021, we have Teen Church, which is great. Vicky and the guys are there. We've got Friday Night Youth. I'll be with the youth this Friday night. We've got our beautiful young adults. Groveland's, we have a mentoring program. We currently have eight mentors from our church. We have room for another 12, by the way, if you're free um, and you'd like to give like, uh, like a couple of hours a week. We've also been given provisional um, approval um, from our council. So Alter One is actually going to commence sometime this year in this building. Alter One is alternate education for those beautiful young teenagers who've been pushed out of mainstream education for a myriad of reasons, but Alter One gives them a second chance. And they're going to be running around, probably breaking our walls and stuff and all kinds of stuff in this building. And at that point, they're going to be asking a question like, who is around here who's not only a mentor and a guide, but also an expert? We're going to be having to do that. As a staff... We want to take this seriously, so I'm just going to give you an example. Um, we're going to start from this Wednesday. We're going to start walking through this course, which um, has only just recently been released, but I know it's been um, in, the, um, in the making because there is a fellow, a, um, a, a guy who, who is um, super smart. His name is Preston Sprinkle. He has a great podcast, great books. I've been following him for years, but he has actually rounded up some people to actually start this conversations about Jesus, sex, and gender. And um, so I thought I just might show you just like a short trailer of what that is. Um, so have a look at that and um, just so you know what we're going to be doing and it's kind of outworking as this year goes. It's easy to find a teacher to tell you what you want. And you got to ask yourself, am I just trying to find someone to tell me what I want to hear or do I really want truth, even if that truth leads me away from my own desires? Questions about sex, sexuality, and gender, these have become the most pressing ethical questions facing the church today. And our youth especially, they're swimming in the deep end of these topics. It's said that the more religious a family is, the less likely they are to talk about sex in the home. Regardless of whether you identify as male, female, trans, non-binary, or anything else, we need to make sure that our ultimate identity is in Jesus. Don't let your past mistakes define you or your future. Every day is a new chance, a new opportunity to make a choice to follow Jesus and live your life with sexual integrity. I'm going through that as a staff, and that course is actually not for teenagers. It's actually for pastors and parents. All right? And even in that, I know this morning like, there were some words over there and people would have felt like, uncomfortable and all that. But like, guess what? They, like, they, like, when you're talking to young people these days, the conversation is not just like the birds and the bees. No, it's a lot more complex right now. You know? You're talking about like, like, like are, you, are you sexually male or female or like, are you going to have a gender conversation? They are two completely different conversations. 
right? And we as a church, we can't have our head in the sand trying to avoid that or just giving these little reductionistic kind of like, like sort of answers. We need to love our young people enough to actually sit patiently with them, help them work this out, sit, navigate and all that, but also grapple with this stuff ourselves. if we truly believe that the gospel answers every single issue of the human heart. So we're kind of going to own that as a staff. We're going to own that. And I'm um, even like as we go through that, I can uh, this morning I, I went through all the, the session titles, but we've got young kids here, so I'm not going to do that. But you can imagine it's actually talking about some really, really like, like real stuff, all right, of all the communities and all that. The sexual revolution has pushed forward this vision of humanity. There's this vision of humanity that has been pressed, pushed forward forward and we as those who are supposed to be living as true humanity how are we going to address that vision that they are giving up are we going to be able to love people enough to walk with them to help them i want to be part of that church you know you know you may be wondering well dave i'm wondering right now where you stand on this stuff hey i am got a traditional biblical stance on sexuality on marriage and all that but I want to be a person who's safe enough for anyone who is on this journey of discovering Jesus Christ that they can come to me and sit and they can also come to this church. I want to be a safe place. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to create a safe place for that. You heard it, like on there, Preston Sprinkle, and, and like they were saying, like, 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 like um, the more religious a family, the less likely they are to talk about sexuality. The most pressing ethical issue that is facing the church today and we can so easily lean on theology 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 but we on the other hand need to actually express our theology in ethics how are we going to express this out that's where the true fun is you know that, 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 that i really believe that's where the intersection of heaven and earth starts to come together as we start walking this thing out anyway let's go there um, I'm running out of time. I always talk too much, don't I? Uh, but we're going to have to, as the older generation, we're going to have to work this out. There are words in our purpose statement. We seek God's heart. We declare. We work to discover the truth of God's word. You know what? If we're the older generation in this church, guess what? We're going to have to work. We're going to have to grapple. If there are some conversations which are not in the world that are kind of hard and like, oh, I don't really want to delve into that, we're going to have the courage. Because let me tell you, Jesus was not intimidated with anything. He loved people so much. So as a staff, we're going to do that as we journey on this year. I'm probably going to open it up for parents. If you want to come and like, we'll sit and we'll actually go through um, this course together. And it's actually going to actually help and equip and um, that. Okay, so that's kind of what we're going to own as a church. Is that all right? Too bad if it isn't. That's what we're going to own as a church. (laughs) Some things that we're not going to own as a church. I want to introduce you to this idea of initiatives. This idea of initiatives. Um, Next slide, if you could put that up. This idea of um, New Spring Initiatives. If you've been part of this particular local church and you've had an honest look around and you say, you know what? There are some certain things that are okay in this church, but there's a whole bunch of huge gaps. There's these huge holes. Like seriously, Dave, if this church was a ship, you would have been sunk a long time ago. I mean, that's how big that hole is. If you come over here and say, Dave, look at that gaping hole. Like, What are you going to do about that? Well, what we've said is that these two things, this is what we're going to own. 
but there's a whole bunch of holes and gaps and weird things in this church. And we're kind of saying that if we truly are the family of God, if we have a we mindset instead of a me mindset, how about we take on that mindset of a family and say to ourselves, there's a hole over there, but I reckon I can do something. I reckon I've got a little bit of putty. I reckon I've got something that might be able to kind of make that hole less big. And we're kind of saying, that is awesome. We want you to step into that. And this is what we are calling our um, New Spring Initiatives. This is what initiatives are that as you go through these circles. And again, this um, publication will be out in the next couple of weeks. It's birthed out of the heart of our people. This is not necessarily birthed out of the heart of Dave Ryder. All right? A couple of years ago, there's this beautiful woman in life at our church named Jules. And she came up to me and said, Dave, we're, we're doing street chaplaincy in Perth. I reckon we need street chaplaincy in Armidale. I said, that is awesome. So what happens is that behind the scenes, we actually made a way for street chaplaincy to come into Armidale. And now she wants to take it to Gosnells. But we weren't necessarily doing it. That was Jules. And we're kind of saying that if there is a burden on your heart, if there's something on your heart that you want to do, Simon Giles has this burden of songwriting. Fantastic. We said, that's an initiative. My wife is wanting to do a women's morning. Fantastic. That's an initiative. We're not going to necessarily own it as a church. That's for you to own, but we want to help you win that. So it's birthed out of the heart of our people. It's led and mentored by the staff that we will actually come alongside and we will help you. There's an opportunity for people to grow and be challenged. It's safe to fail. Has anyone failed in anything? I want to be part of a church where it's actually safe for you to stuff it up. All right? If you have a crack, I want our celebration to be in the fact that you had a go. And if you stuffed it up, praise the Lord. You know, we've just figured out another way of how not to do something. Because you know what? I have stuffed a lot of things up in this church. You have a senior pastor who fails all the time. And if it's okay for me to fail, it should be okay for everyone to have a fail. You know what I'm saying? So it's okay. It's safe to fail. You don't have to try something thinking, I need to get this right. I need to get this right. Take the stress off. Just have a go. Have a go. Our default as a church is to say yes, if it's safe to do so. If you want to do something dumb, like sort of swing off the roof, we're probably going to say no. But that's only like Nathan and the youth. But if it's safe, we want our posture, we want our default to be yes. Yes, you can do it. Um, it has an end date. Have you ever like sort of tried something or given something and it just keeps going on and on and on and you started off with a passion? I think connect group leaderships are one of the key ones, right? It's like all of a sudden you started this and it's like five years later and this thing hasn't ended. It's like, I can't get out. I'm trying to, I can't escape this. No, we're going to actually have an end date because you know what? There are some things that we start and God might actually blow his breath on it, but there's some other things which he may not. So we actually want to actually have a start and end date that's going to help um, with that as well. Um, it wanted to be intentionally purposed. They actually have some planning about it. So that's kind of what we're kind of thinking. It's like if you're part of the family, if you see some gaps, there's some things in your heart, and you'd like to have a crack at something, how about you have a bit of fun in your church? How about we actually have a church that doesn't look like every other church on social media or every other church on Facebook? How about we have this kind of church that has these odd little knobs and these odd little things that it's kind of coming off it because there are people in our church that have these different expressions and these different ideas. And let me tell you, after this morning's service, I don't know if we're going to regret this because people were taking those things and they got some crazy ideas. And I'm thinking, how amazing is that? And guess what? Your service to God does not necessarily have to happen in the building. It'd be great if it does to some extent because we've got a lot of holes and a lot of gaps. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But 
We actually want to see the kingdom of God breaking in and breaking forth to places that are dark and are in despair. How in the world would dark places see light unless followers of Jesus Christ step into those places? Well, we want to help you do that. That's what we're trying to do. Ephesians 2 verse 10. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. We want to join God in his renovation project. If on that first resurrection Sunday was the very first day of new creation and God is in the process once again of Edenizing this cosmos, and if he has the same MO, the same modus of operation as he did in the first pages of Genesis, where he determines that he will establish his covenantal reign through his covenantal people where he has this deep desire to partner with his children so that Eden is pushed out. Well, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that renovation project. And it does not necessarily mean that I need to like sort of hand out buckets on a Sunday. No, God has put something unique, something precious, something special. He has given you a burden which he has not given to anyone else. And if you can clarify, clarify that, if you can articulate that, or even if you think, I don't know exactly what that is. Well, this Tuesday night discovery course, that is what that discovery course is about to help you try to identify what is that one thing. I've got something that's nagging. I see things. I see people groups and it disturbs me. I see things and they weigh heavily on my heart. Why? The Lord's given you a burden. And if we can help you to walk that out, praise God. We want to have a posture of yes. We want to have a posture of let's see what we can do. But we want you to own it. And that's what our New Spring initiatives are all about. So there are signs all over the place. There's a sign in your life. It's not supposed to be hidden. No. It is supposed to be brightly lit, flashing, making a bold declaration in this present evil age, which is so dark and gloomy. And people should be able to see the sign on your life, on your family, on this church. And they will come to us for help. And when they come, we are not going to take those signs down. We are going to be a church that steps in and helps. And people all around this place, they will discover what is to flourish, what is to be truly human. And that only happens in the context of we, doesn't it, of the church. Amen. Got a picture of where we're going this year? Cool. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness. I honestly don't think that we fully understand what you've allowed us to be part of. When you call us your sons and daughters, we have no understanding. I pray that you would enlarge our minds and our imagination, that we would rethink our entire life and everything, who we are, what we do, because the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of heaven is near. Father, would you stretch us this year? Would you cause us to imagine and to see things so differently? Father, we ask that you would bring along our path just beautiful people made in your image and that you would allow us in some way to help them this year, to bless them this year, to love them this year. Father, that we would just love extravagantly and generously in Jesus' name.
and take hold of this church and give us great discernment as you lead us forward, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Is that okay? Awesome. How about we stand? Let's respond to God's word in worship. And um, we've all got a long weekend.